It's time for your weekly trip inside the ropes and behind the scenes of the Australian golf industry. Welcome to another episode of the Australian Golf Show with Tiffany Cherry and Mark Allen. Welcome to the show, Mark Allen and Tiffany Cherry joining you for another great show. We've got line up for you on the back of a big week in golf. Wow, huge week in golf, especially for women's golf, Marco, uh, around Australia. Now, big week in golf, Tiff. You had it right the first time, I think, uh, to see four young ladies uh, in the top six. Um, and also Hannah Green hoisting a trophy, which made headlines around the world. A huge week in golf and a, a real, a massive pat on the back for what we're doing here in Australia, uh, getting everybody together. It started out just the COVID thing. It started out just the, these T, uh, tournament player series, the TPSs that we've seen all over the place at the moment. Um, the one in Cobbenberg, it, it started out as just, look, we're all trapped at home. What are we going to do? And they just got the best amateurs and the best uh, you know, men and women amateurs, the best men and women pros. They started doing it here and there, and it grew, and it grew, and it grew, and then the PGA got behind it, Golf Australia got behind it. And, and now, just, you know, out of nowhere, it's it's making headlines around the world. To see Hannah Green just continue on from last week, winning a big open, and, and not taking the foot off the pedal, it was impressive. And, you know, people, uh, you know, some of, the, some of the best players we have still here in the country got absolutely whitewashed on the weekend, and the, uh, I think it's making everybody smile. Hey, Mark McGowan, we can thank for uh, keeping the borders closed because otherwise Hannah was going to go back home for a little while before she headed off to uh, Asia and then back to the US to play on the PGA Tour. So thanks, Mark, because you have just given golf the biggest women's golf, the biggest leg up we've seen for many years. Yeah, it was great to see. Look, look, you know, you know what I took out of it? I mean, apart from the history, which was great, just her game. I mean, she's top 30 player in the world, so we know she's a star. But just how simple she makes the game look. Mm. Uh, a lot of that is to do in her um, pre-shot routine. That's going to be at the very end of the show in, in the masterclass towards the end. But she makes golf look easy. You know, that, that that's such an, a wonderful part of sport. You know, yep. normally the best players make it look easy. And Hannah Green is one of those. You know, her, her pre-shot is so um, succinct. You know, there's nothing wasted. She just moves in, um, and before you know it, she's making her backswing, and and it, and it doesn't look rushed either. You know, yeah. a lot of people who want to go early, yeah, but it, it it ends up looking rushed. The way she does it is absolutely brilliant. And where I thought she was just a million miles away, uh, far and ahead of, of the rest of the of the field, was her putting. Her putting on that windy last day in Cumbria. She was rock solid over the ball. There was no move, no head yep. movement, and she looked relaxed. Even though she, you know, she said in the past, oh, I heard it. She did so much media yesterday. I heard enough of it. <laughs> um, she was getting real nervous towards the end because she knew the the gravitas of what, she, what what was happening. Yeah, you know, the first time ever that a female was going to hoist a trophy when everyone was playing together. Yep. So um, those nerves were real. Uh, but you'd never, ever know, and, and that's the most impressive thing about, you know, what she did on the weekend. Do you know, I watched her. I followed her for a few rounds at the Vic Open and 13th Beach last weekend, and she engages the crowd as well. You know, she she has that um, natural comfort around her. She's she's not yeah. a player where you feel nervous watching, yeah. where you're like, oh, you know, you can't make a noise, whatever. She's just relaxed. And, I mean, a number of the girls I noticed, Cassie Porter was one is um, who really is a rising star in yeah. Australia. But uh, it was just brilliant to see that, that, to bring those crowds in. And we saw that also we've seen in Australia where the crowds can follow um, the players. Yeah. So we're not they're not behind, you know, outside the, the ropes. So 
it's uh, we're really engaging crowds, which is a big part of revamping golf in the country and um, and bringing the women and the men together, the amateurs and the juniors, which the TPS does, is just a brilliant format. And you know, through diversity, we we challenge we challenge ourselves and look what we've come up with. No, you're right. Uh, her demeanour is certainly the uh, the cherry on top, no doubt about it. Hey, um, what about Adam Scott tied for fourth? He's he's showing some good form of late. Yeah, look, it's a golf course where he's played well before. Uh, he won what uh, two or three, years, four years ago, something like that. So look, when you watch him swing, you wonder how he plays. He ever plays bad, uh, but um, I think he had a sixty-six in the last round, sixty-five in the mid one of those mid rounds. Um, he he looks. You know, he always looks a billion dollars. A million dollars doesn't do him justice anymore. He looks a billion dollars when he's got a golf club in his hand. Um, but the, the young the young fellow <laughs> who won the tournament, Joaquin, Joaquin and Neiman, yeah, yeah uh, you've got to say it quick. I know, Joaquin. <laughs> uh, the, the way he swings a golf club, honestly, it looks like he might only have two and a half, three years left because some of the positions he finds himself in, it's just remarkable. Unfortunately, it's a really good way to play golf to get that shoulder going under and the square yeah. club face. You can keep the club face very, very square doing that. But my goodness, how long is that back going to, to last? And he's 23, because, so he's at the prime of his life at the moment. Yeah, he's, he's put on a little bit of weight too. He's, he's, he's worked hard in the gym and that was had to be a prerequisite if he's going to continue swinging that way. I, I, I don't think he's going to change his swing. I don't think he could change his swing. Um, but like I said, uh, it, it it looks difficult what he's doing, but he had it on a string the first three rounds, even part of the last. I think he got to 19 under after three rounds. Um, he, he's an exciting talent. They kept on mentioning his putting, that uh, maybe his putting has let him down in the past. So from tee to green, he's probably elite, uh, but he had his putting you know, going. And I think uh, on that magical little 10th hole, some people say it's a really good short hole. I'm not so sure how good it is without being played it, um, without having played it. Uh, but he made an eagle there in the third round or the second round, third round, uh, and he was just a million miles away from everybody else at that stage. It was his tournament to lead and to lose. And um, when we spoke about Adam Scott, you couldn't stop talking about what he was wearing for four days, uh, and that really did your head in. The the, the 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 tan jumper or the caramel jumper four days in a row. Uh, I still don't understand. I reckon he might have worn the tan pants uh, <laughs> two or three times as well. But maybe it's it, like Tiger's red, you know, red <laughs> final day top. I know Jack Nicholas. Uh, it might have been his very first ever US Open. We wore the same um, army green pants four days in a row. Um, so he, he just liked the feel of it. Sometimes, it, and it is, it is funny saying that. Some, sometimes you just put on a piece of clothing, whether it's pants or a shirt or a short or your shoes or whatever it might be. But you just feel like you play better in them. Yeah. Well, many and, people won't change their uh, underwear or their socks. You know, there's, yeah, there's well, some, that's some as bad as a shoey <laughs> in my book. If you're not changing your underwear, you might you might as well be doing shoeys after a tournament win as well. <laughs> did you? Were you surprised that Hannah did another shoey? Or you reckon that's going to be part of her? Money yeah. Now? Oh no, no. I mean, she's on a roll, so yeah. so why not? Um, I didn't think she said that. Uh, you know, maybe enough's enough. Uh, but she might have to win a major before she does another shoey. And I think that's probably about accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, her caddy was got hauled in as well. The caddy did a shoey as well. So look, yeah, look, that stuff's not for me, but certainly it's nice to see um, golf on papers and, and you know, flashing around social media as well. It's good. Hey, good to see it all. We're, we're, our cherry pick coming up is a wonderful woman, Karen Lunn, who leads women's golf in Australia, the CEO of the mm. WPJ Tour of Australasia. Are you going to be coming down to the Athena this weekend? Because we're going to be talking a lot about that with Karen. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm doing bring your daughter down. Yeah, I'm I'm, uh, I'm commentating, so You're I can't the bring the you know, I can't bring the daughter down. I'll be doing a little bit of work, um, and I'm excited about it. You know, I love the skills challenges. You know, we just saw the NBA um, All Star Weekend, and you know the three point shots, and then you know the the ball handling. I, I think the same sort of stuff can be done in golf. I've seen it done before in golf when they've got you know six or seven fellas, um, and they throw in a couple of girls, and 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 they have these chip offs. But I think this is a great you know little thing to to see it just puts pressure on one shot one chip it, it, it has a look at everybody's uh, you know overall game and uh, if you're good enough if you win enough points you go through to the match play uh, on the sunday so i'm looking forward to getting down the sandy golf links yeah all right well we're going to hear more about that in a moment first we'll take a break and then karen lan will join us right after this Welcome back to the show and super excited to welcome our cherry-picked guest for the week. She is the 1993 British Open winner. She's also the wind in the sails of our women golfers in Australia, the CEO of the WPGA Tour of Australasia. Great to have Karen Lund join us. Welcome, Karen. Morning, guys. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, obviously an exciting weekend uh, with Hannah winning up at Cobram, so uh, lots to chat about. Well, the last fortnight, really, it's been uh, golf, women's golf in the, across the news. Uh, we had the shoey, which went viral. We've had Hannah on the, uh, on the back pages, the front pages in the news, of course. What has it done, Karen, for women's golf in Australia, her past fortnight? I mean, it's a huge boost, to be honest, honest with you. Um, Obviously, the win at the Vic Open and the Shuey got a fair bit of attention, but I think the fact that last week Hannah was the, the first women to win uh, one of these mixed events mm. um, on our WebEx Players Series. So um, there's been a few around the world, and I think that, um, you know, in Australia we like to think that we're innovators and uh, not scared to have a go and do something different when it's needed to be. And um, this is just the second year of the WebEx Players Series, and obviously Hannah winning. It's the first time a, women's, uh, a woman has won one of these, but, mm. but all around the world. So it, it's a great boost. And, um, yeah, we're just so excited, the coverage that she's got. And, and hats off to Hannah for doing all the media she did yesterday. Mm. I think uh, it's, a, it's fantastic that, you know, we look at one of our major champions. And, you know, Hannah wasn't paid to play in Cobram last week. I'm sure she won't mind me saying that. And to do all the media she did, um, it's, it's a nice change from people putting their hand in their mm. pocket and asking for, uh, crazy appearance fees. Can you just dive into that just a little bit for us, Karen, about just the sort of person she is? I mean, the media yesterday was outstanding. I, mean, I had a little bit of uh, an idea of how much she was actually doing. Uh, 3OW got her and then it just kept on going and going and going. But she strikes me as just such a level-headed person. Yeah, she really is. And she's, you know, I've known Hannah since she was a, a junior golfer playing in our events here. And, you know, you knew from an early age, she she was a great person, not just a great player. And um, she's actually here today at the Australian Golf Centre working with Ryan Lumsden in the High Performance Centre here. And I just saw her this morning and thanked her for, for doing all that media. And she's like, no, no, it's all part of the job. No problem. And uh, yeah, just, just hats off to her. She's so a class good. act on and off the course. Hannah, um, Karen, I read this uh, in the paper today in the Herald Sun from Hannah. Hopefully it's inspiring the rest of the girls, not only the juniors but in the field, to try to get their name on a trophy. We need to get as much exposure as possible and it's great that we have events on in the summer when the peak of the sport is on. Hopefully this can get some traction. Well, it certainly has. And just in terms of her leadership and inspiring the other girls to, as you just said, to, to be open to media, some are sometimes hesitant, but, um, you know, the example that she's set, which will help grow the game in the country and worldwide. Yeah, I think it's really important to, for our, for our um, uh, next generation of players, you know, your Grace Kims and your Steph Kuriakus, uh, Karis Davidson, to see that, that what Hannah's done and, and you know, to be honest with you, go way above and beyond what, mm. what many people would do is, is 
you know, it's, it's a real testament to her and, and to see that, okay, well, if Hannah does this, this is the right thing to do. We need to do it. And to be fair to the girls, like all of these young players, the, you know, if I ask them to do something, I very rarely get a no. So obviously the example that Kari said and, you know, Minji and Hannah and yeah. Sue have sort of learnt from Kari and, and now Hannah's taken on that leadership role and, and you know, really telling the younger girls that, you know, this is what we need to do. And, you know, it's not just because, you know, women's golf is up underrepresented and women's sport is up underrepresented, certainly in the media, but it's just the right thing to do. It's part of winning. You reap the rewards and you have to give back sometimes yeah. too. Karen, uh, I automatically thought of you to get on this podcast straight away when Hannah won because it feels like women's golf in this country, there's a real launching pad at the moment. Uh, golf Australia, the PGA, you all came out jointly this year and said this is the direction we're heading. And then Hannah comes and plays. You know, just her playing in the Victorian Open was enormous, let alone winning it. And then to beat the boys for the first time ever than create that history. Um, you've been around this game for a long, long time. Uh, we've seen Kari Webb rise to number one and be a superstar of Australian sport. Sport. But this feels different. This does feel like something's mm. happened. Um, is there a real sense of that at headquarters? Yeah, I think there really is. And I think that, as you said, the timing of all of this is is, is fantastic because I think that Australian golf has needed a, a kick up the backside for a long time. And, um, you know, I wasn't afraid to say that. There, there were some things that had to change and certainly change is happening. And, um, it, you know, James and Gavin and myself would work really closely together on a number of things. And um, I think there's a real willingness and it's not just lip service. We really do want to work together for, for the good of the game. So I think that there's definitely a lot of momentum in, in women's sport. Um, and I think that certainly for, for golf to have, uh, you know, obviously you've got people like Ash Barty, you know, what she mm-hmm. does, again, a great a great tennis player, but also a great human being. And, um, you know, the, the, the coverage that Ash has got in Australia, it's great to see someone like Hannah that's, that's succeeding and giving back and getting similar coverage. So it is, it is really exciting. I think that it's a great time. And obviously we've got the Athena coming up this week as well. So we've got some momentum and, and we just need to build on it. Absolutely. And as you alluded to, Mark, to Hannah, to just to, for her to play in the Vic Open. And I think, um, you know, what wasn't mentioned was Suo actually flew back from the States just to play in the big open as well. You know? yeah. So hats off to those girls for doing that. Um, you know, they, they know they can make a difference and, and they certainly did. I want to talk about the Athena in a minute, but I also want to put an exclamation on um, Hannah's, Hannah's win on the weekend. And if you can also then explain to those who may be new to the TPS what it, what the format is and explain the tease, et cetera. But Hannah beat Dini Papadatis by 11 strokes. He won the Vic Open. He finished tied for 18th at Cobram Baruga. So that she she had um, men, you know, or players breathing down her neck. She, she hit an eagle and then followed up with a birdie on the back nine, which was impressive to pull away from these players. Uh, so can you just explain um, what the what the format is and, and uh, you know, how it sort of sits with the men and the women playing and the juniors as well? Yeah, sure. Well, the WebEx Players Series, it's um, basically, uh, and at the moment we don't have the women to have an equal representation in the field. Um, effectively, uh, the model is 62 uh, male professionals, 62 female professionals and 10 elite amateurs that play all four rounds of the tournament. Then on the weekend, uh, we invite 24 junior players um, and they're uh, selected partly by the, the clubs and the stakeholders of the event, but also that side of it's managed by Golf Australia. So, um, And the juniors come in on the weekend and effectively there's one junior playing in every group um, mixed in with the men and the women. So, you know, for me, that's mm. one of the most exciting parts to see um, Sheridan Clancy on the weekend mm. play alongside Hannah and then play alongside with the guys in the last group it was just fantastic. And the experience that she'll take out of that um, – just being on national telly, giving her the exposure to how it feels to be a professional playing in a tournament, that's money can't buy experience. So uh, she's, she's going to 
take so much out of last week, and that's one of the, the great things about the Players Series. Yeah, you're so right, Karen, because it's one thing, and you know this better than anybody, it's one thing to be a good player, uh, but you've got to become a very good tournament player uh, to, you know, to make those dreams come true. Um, you said equal, that's what you want. I'm just looking at the top 10 now. This hasn't really been spoken about. Hannah Green, we know, has created history, but you also had Grace Kim tied fourth. Mm. Now, Momoka Kobori, I think is how you say her name, Kobori, um, she came tied fourth. You had Cassie Porter, who was tied sixth. Now, it was lopsided this week. There were more fellas than there were girls playing, and yet you see four girls um, making up in the top, top ten, uh, or in the top six. Thank you, Tiff. In the top six. So to me, it was just you know for you, for someone like you who has battled and you know a lot of the stuff you've done in the past. And I'm happy to say this probably hasn't been noticed. And I know how hard you've been pedalling for so long, Karen. But last week you must have been doing cartwheels all the way home <laughs> from Coppenbrugger. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. And if you look at the girls that played well last week, um, they were all the girls that played well at the mm. Vic Open, um, apart from Grace, who unfortunately was DQ'd at the Vic Open for signing an incorrect scorecard. But, mm. you know, that, those girls have all been playing well. Um, Cassie Ford is a star of the future. I've yeah. no doubt about that. Yeah. We all know how good Grace is. And um, Maloka Kabori has been up there every week that she's played. Um, really, really a great young uh, Kiwi player. So all of these girls were playing well coming in. Uh, can you tell us about the tees, uh, yeah. Karen? Because I, I know it's it's been experimental having everybody together, uh, but you have these things called scaled tees, and, and I think this is brilliant. How did you go down and formulate where everybody hits from? Yeah, and that's that's been the challenge of the WebEx Players Series, to be honest with you, is in getting that right. Because um, as you know, Mark, the the, uh, the difference between the long hitting men and the average and the short hitting men is probably sixty meters. Mm. Um, the difference between the longer hitting women and the shorter hitting men is somewhere somewhere in the middle there. So it's re- it's a really tough job. So uh, for this event, Nick Dasty, who's the the tournaments director for the PGA, and myself. Uh, went up to Cobram in December uh, and we went around the course. Nick played alongside Steffi Vogel, who is um, is one of uh, one of the girls that played last week. She's actually a trainee up at, at Cobram Baruga. So Nick played with Steffi. We, we took a lot from that day. We, we, we worked out what we thought was a fair, um, a fair difference in each of the holes. And, and sometimes it's not possible to get it right. Um, sometimes there's just no tees where mm. you think there, there should be. And, and Cobram actually... Um, the superintendent there, Terry Vogel, he actually built a couple of tees for us to, oh, wow. to make it fair. So, you know, I think if you look at it, you know, there's always going to be criticism. You can't please everyone. You've just got to try and make it as fair as you can. And and, and looking at the rankings, you know, Hannah was far and away the best player in the field. And, yeah. and, and if she didn't win playing her best golf, then we'd done something wrong. Um, you know, so I, th- I think it worked out pretty fair. Um, obviously, we've got challenges with some of the other courses we play with uh, tees uh, not being available. But I think Bonnie Doon, we made a few changes from last year. Rosebud, we made a few changes from last year. So I think we're getting Rosebud. The you know there are a few girls up there that they perhaps didn't finish it off on the weekend. But um, you know, given the numbers we've got, I think we're getting a good representation. Karen, let's talk about the Athena. You mentioned some of the girls' names from the past couple of weeks. Karis Davison is one who who went through four gruelling rounds of uh, LPGA Tour School to get a tour card for this year. Grace Kim, you mentioned Cassie Porter. There's some big names coming through. Can you tell us about the Athena, which is coming up this weekend, and the format? 
Yeah, so the Athena is a very different uh, golf event. Um, it's a made-for-TV event uh, rather than a spectator event. Those spectators are very welcome to come and watch. So on day one, which is this Saturday, uh, the 26th, we have, uh, we have the, it's all the 12 girls and there'll be nine challenges. So for each of the challenges, the players are awarded points. So there's things like a, a bunker shot, a flop shot, a 100-metre shot, long drive, straight <laughs> drive, all of those challenges. So the players will be awarded points. Uh, and at the end of the day... Uh, the leading point scorers, the leading eight point scorers will go through to play in the finals on Sunday. Um, and Sunday there'll be eight players playing. There'll be a quarterfinal, a semifinal, and then a final to determine if they're a winner. Tell me this, Karen. My, my real interest is in around the greens. And, and for people who haven't seen Sandringham Golf Links and, and, and don't know much about it, uh, right around the country, it's across the road from Royal Melbourne. Michael Cocking, who is a superstar uh, course designer on the rise, has turned Sandringham Golf Links into a mini Royal Melbourne. Uh, I went and had a look at it last week and, 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 and had a bit of a walk around. It's incredible. Yeah. But, my God, I want to know who is picking the chip shots and the bunker shots because you could have an absolute you – could, you could make it – you could make it easy for them, but I, I'm thinking that's probably not the best thing for the made-for-TV element of it. Who, who's going to be walking around and saying, okay, girls, yeah, you drop your ball here or you place your ball here and we're going to chip it over this bunker onto this downslope and good luck if you can try and stop it? Yeah, well, uh, that was pretty, that'll pretty much be me. So uh, <laughs> I've, been, I've spent uh-huh. a fair bit of time out here the last few weeks with uh, the superintendent, Jerry. Um, uh, Mitch Finlayson, the head producer from Jam TV, uh, Mitch has been a little bit involved as well. So, yeah, I mean, obviously we don't make it, want to make it impossible for the girls. We want them to, you know, have a good experience and we don't want them to look stupid on, on um, live television. But as you say, this the, the course here at Sandy Golf Links is extraordinary. It is a mini uh, a mini Royal Melbourne, as you said, in many ways. The condition of the course is absolutely superb. And uh, for people to be able to come here and, and play a, a, sand, a, a proper sandbelt ball mm. uh, for, for the cost of playing here, it is just extraordinary. It's a, it's a great experience. And what was the appetite like from the girls to play in this event, which this is the second year running? Yeah, they were all, um, you know, everyone put their hand up straight away. Um, I think they're all, you know, talking to them about it last week and, you know, we're all emailing back and forwards and chatting and they're just so excited about the opportunity. It's it's a great opportunity for the Australian golfing public mm. and the sporting public to, to get to know who our up-and-coming stars are. And that's that's really part of what we're trying to achieve is, is give give the public um, a chance to get some insight into these girls, to know know more about them. So when they go on to their, you know, playing the LPGA tours, they, they know who they are and they'll follow them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, go, go Mark. Uh, Karen, um, I'm really curious, you know, because uh, of the British Open. Yeah, everywhere, every room you walk into, you're announced as the British Open champ from way back when. Um, are you still playing? Because, I'd, 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 you know, I'd, I'd, I think it's just such a what, – what happened in America where it wasn't counted on their tour, everywhere else in the world, you, you're a British Open mm. champion. You're an Open champ. So when you get to your stage where you're going, are you still finding time to get out and have a bit of a swing of the club or, or what, what's happening there? No, I haven't actually. I haven't actually had a golf club in my hand for nearly, nearly five years now. That's not, that's, something... that's not unacceptable. <laughs> I know. I know it is and you're right. And um, it's something I really want to try and get back into. But, you know, having been off the tours for it's over eight years now, um, you know, I need to get myself back in in some shape and, and get back in the gym because otherwise it's just going to be too painful. Do you reckon you could break? So, for instance, I reckon this would be a great made-for-TV sort of thing itself. You haven't played for five years. You won an Open Championship back in the early 90s. 
can she break 80 around a golf course? First up. No, no, for you. Yeah, I you're, reckon you should have a jump cut. You're allowed a 20 minute warm up before you play and a five minute putt. Could you break 80, do you reckon? No, absolutely no way after having that much time off. No, I I really, I really don't think so. But you know, who knows? But but it's something I do want to want to do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna join um, Curly Curly Swede Golf Club, which is just around the corner for me up in Northern New South Wales. I'm gonna join there once our tour is over this year, and just go and start um, hitting a few balls here and there, a chip and a putt, and just see if I really enjoy it. You know, because it's hard to know. Um, when you've retired from tournament play, you know, it's, it's hard to know where you fit into golf. Um, you know, there's not, you know, I don't probably want to play in the, lo- you know, in the local club, um, mm. you know, event midweek or weekend. I, I don't think I'll probably enjoy that. But just going out and having a hit with a few friends and playing nine holes in the elbow for a bit of fun, that'd be, uh, that'd be quite fun. Well, I'll put my hand up. I'll go and play around with you. You won't be embarrassed with me because uh, I'll certainly shoot a lot higher than you. Um, <laughs> we look at, Karen, the Vision 2025, which is, which is the, the strategy to, to get more women playing golf, which is all part of the uh, Australian golf strategy that's been launched late last year. From your perspective, how do you see this um, being applied across the country in, in many different ways. Um, it's sort of a, it's an open question, but I just want to get your views on, on how you see that vision, you know, rolling out across uh, golf clubs and facilities. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the offering to women has to change. Um, and I think that clubs need to be more welcoming. And, and we know from the research that has been done, uh, women that are starting their golfing journey are going to public facilities um, rather than going to golf clubs because mm-hmm. the experience is not all, always that welcoming. Um, when they go to a golf club, the you know the first thing they're told is you can't wear this, you can't do this, and these are all the rules that you have to follow. And and you know for for a young woman or a, a woman that's you know maybe had kids and wants to get back into sport or exercise, you know they just want to have fun. They want to have a good experience. Yeah. It's not about playing in the competitions and doing anything. It's just going out and being with your friends and having fun. And and at the moment we don't do that very well. So for me that's a really important part of it. What about for the youngies coming through as well? That, that's important to me. I've got a daughter who I've tried really hard just to have some kind of interest. And uh, my mum was a, you know, a scratch golfer and someone who won club championships. So she's got a passionate golfing vein through her bones as well. Um, we've tried. We've done little bits and pieces. The only thing we could get done was bringing her down to the Himalayan putting course yep. right there at headquarters. Same with which, my daughter. Which she really, really enjoyed. Um uh, yeah, and obviously we've taken the kids to putt-putt before and they love that sort of stuff. Is, is that the entry level? I mean, is that really where we've got to push parents to to take their kids along? Because, you know, just hitting the ball on the ground, it, it may seem really easy, but it is the bread and butter of how the game is played. Absolutely. And I, and I think you've hit the nail on the head there that, you know, if kids are going to start playing golf, it needs to be fun. Um, it, you know, the Himalayan putting green here at Sandy Golf Links is a great example, putt-putt, um, you know, whatever you've got to do. And I think, you know, again, the research says that young girls, they want to do things with their friends as well. So, you know, for a young girl to go to a golf club where there's probably maybe 20 or 30 junior members and, and maybe only one or two girls, it's, it's not much fun for them. So I think that we need to get, we need, for young girls, we need to get them to do things with their friends. I think that's really important for young girls. But another important thing is, you know, events like last week with Hannah front and centre, you know, we want young girls to aspire to be Hannah Green. And, mm-hmm. you know, we historically, um, you know, we haven't put them on a pedestal anywhere near enough in the, in the media here in Australia. So I think that's great because all the little kids and parents showing them, oh, look, this is Hannah Green. She beat the boys. This is possible. Mm, absolutely. So I think that's, that's yep. a great message for, for young women. And, and, and the Athena this week that, you know, 
look at all these girls on television and some of them will be wearing their workout gear probably on Saturday. You know, golf is cool and it's fun. Yeah. And, uh, it's just how it's marketed to young people as well. You know, I think the messaging is really important. I've coined a new phrase, Karen. I want to call it the new frontier. Women's golf is the new frontier. And, oh, and you talk about, uh, we talk about the girls and you talk, you touched on it before, the mums, um, of which I, I am one. And, and, you know, it's, I've found it really difficult to play golf in the last seven plus years. And I think it's crucial as part of the Vision 2025 that we look at child minding opportunities, partnerships with child mining centres, creating opportunities for contact, contractors to come into clubs right and idea. facilities because right. then we'll also, you, you put a little plastic golf club in, uh, you know, in little jo- um, Joanne's hand when she's two and she starts hitting, you know, doing some putting and then she starts getting a taste for it um, at an earlier age than perhaps they're being introduced. And I just wanted to also mention before we say goodbye, Karen, we've got the Women's Golf Network uh, which with a number of events, but we've got one coming up at Royal Melbourne uh, this Wednesday. So it's only... We don't, we're not giving people a lot of time to register, but if you still would like to, it's a wonderful opportunity to meet some top pros and play at one of the best golf courses in the world. Yeah, 100%. And that's, that's a great idea, too, with the, the childcare because it, it's such a big issue for women um, that have got young kids. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, they don't have the time. So if, if we could find um, some clubs that, as you said, partnering with some, some of the childcare um, facilities, that'd be awesome. But yeah, Women's Golf Network at Royal Melbourne tomorrow, we're going to have uh, the girls playing the Athena. They're going to be around there. They'll be at lunch, uh, attending the lunch and be on course in the afternoon with some of the women. So it's going to be a great fun day. And, and hats off to Royal Melbourne too, um, you know, for them to throw their support behind the Athena. Um, as much as they have this week, is fantastic. And I think it just shows that, you know, Royal Melbourne's the number one golf course in Australia. It's, it's a very um, highly regarded club. And uh, for them to be supporting an event like this, which is obviously innovative and different, you know, just shows that yep. attitudes are changing. Absolutely. So check out uh, golf.org.au. Look for Women's Golf Network for this week's opportunity and further events that are coming up. Karen, thank you so much for your wonderful time. You're, you're amazing and you lead the, lead the way in terms of, uh, you know, speaking about women's golf and what we should be doing. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks, Tiff. Thanks, Marco. I really appreciate your, your help with everything and I look forward to seeing you later in the week. Look forward to seeing you swinging that club at some stage. <laughs> Maybe one day. <laughs> all right, coming up next is Martin Blake with all the news around the traps. Uh, the gazelle joins us now and Blakey, there's been so much said about Hannah Green, but let's continue the conversation because there's even more you've got on her. Yes, Tiff. Look, uh, Hannah Green only jumped one spot, which I... I deliberately looked this up this morning on the Rolex rankings for women's golf. Uh, you know, it's a bit of a different event and, and relatively small prize money, mm. a couple of hundred grand. So uh, only jumped one spot to number 29, but her opportunity is going to come ahead. I mean, she flies to Singapore next week to play on the LPJ. I mean, one of the things with the world rankings, and Marco, you would know this from the men's rankings, it depends who you play against. So if you, if you for instance, next week, She'll go and play against Jin Young-Ko and Nellie Korda and those top people who are ahead of her on the rankings. And if you beat them, you get a better result in terms yeah. of ranking points. So yeah. uh, it, it was a great week. Uh, you've, you've already covered off on Hannah t- to a large extent, but I, I just wanted to say how good that was. Uh, the history aspect of it, I mean, 
there was one tour, I think it was in either in Europe or America, who disputed the historical aspect of it and said, no, this is not the first time that a woman's beaten the men. Well, we didn't say that. What we were saying is in a four-round tournament. Yeah, correct? 72 uh, holes. In yep. a proper tournament on a proper tour. There, there are, you know, there's pro-ams and things like that where they mix men and women, and it has happened from time to time. There haven't been many full tournaments as such where men and women play for the same prize. Even the Vic Open, which probably started this whole ball rolling, is two separate tournaments. But this one is one tournament, and I'm glad you talked about the scaled tees, which is um, quite quite interesting as well. Um, I did also wanted to raise the the coverage of Hannah Green. I mean, here here in Melbourne, where we're broadcasting from, uh, Hannah was on the front page of both major newspapers. She was on the front page of the West Australian in Perth, of course. Um, she was on the project on Channel 10. I mean, she set aside most of the day uh, for media with help from Josh Martin uh, from Golf Australia and the PGA. I mean, uh, we have had a a, a huge week in terms of a a bonus. And what about that TPS event, guys? I mean, what a bonus that that event Mm -hmm. has got. They've gone from two to four events this summer already, and uh, this is going to set them up for next next summer as well. So the next one is uh, March the 3rd to 6th, hosted by Braith and Astor at Bonnie Doon. So it's next week at Bonnie Doon in yeah. Sydney. Yeah. 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 And the one, the right, there's a new one at Hunter Valley the week after that. With it really is the right time because we are sick of cricket. I, I mean, put your hand up if you're sick of cricket at the moment. I mean, we are sick yeah. of cricket. Tennis is finished. Footy's just around the corner. It's a beautiful window for golf. And it is. I, 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 I really believe, I wish there was some way that golf could own late February, early March. Yes. I really wish they could just own it because the, the opportunity for Australian golf is enormous just to get people watching. You know, there's no way Hannah Green is on the front page of the paper if we have got the first or second test and, and something's happened. It's just not happening. And all that's why I reckon, code, you know. yeah, all the footy yeah. codes. Yeah, that's right. It's just, it's just not happening or against the tennis. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just not happening. But there's just this beautiful window that I wish there was somehow, you know, a better way to exploit for golf. Yeah, we're we're putting steps in the right place. So, I wanted to. We talked about Australian golf strategy uh, briefly with Karen Lunn, Blakey, and and the, the. you know, the saying that all golf is golf and golf is for everyone. Bernard Lager absolutely proved that as well on the weekend. How old is he? 64. He, he's 64. He actually won on the Champions Tour, which is it's no uh, matter to sneer at. I mean, that's the quality and the, and the uh, you know, the this competition is very tough on that tour. It's his 43rd win on the, wow. on the Champions Tour, mm-hmm. which uh, – so Hal Irwin's got the all-time record, 45 wins. So he's he's going to get it, isn't he? Yeah, um, I think he's going to get. It. He shot sixty four in the last round, which we spoke oh. in an earlier podcast, didn't we? Marco, you spoke about uh, yeah. you know the, the 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 shooting your age, you know how, the how best, good yeah. that is. He it's is the best thing he can do in golf. It's the best thing he can do in golf. But when you're doing it in tournaments, at winning championships, it goes to another level. I'll never forget ever. I think we've spoken about this on his sixty fourth birthday, which is almost six months ago. He shot sixty four. So. <laughs> Phenomenal. He's he's a freak of nature. Now, Augusta's being lengthened. Uh, Catch catch any of that? No. Uh, This has been going on for years, hasn't it? So it's only 35 yards. Um, Number 15, which is one of the most famous par fives in the world, is is 550 yards. Now it's gone up by 20 yards. They just obviously obviously want uh, 
to add a little bit of degree of difficulty to yeah. that second shot in over the over the, uh, well, the, the water. Back 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 in the eighties and nineties, when you know when I used to get up really early to watch it, they were always hitting in woods to that hole, and it it's different now. I don't think they want to get to that stage because these guys can hit through two hundred and fifty sixty meter fairway woods, and from off top of the top of the hill up there, it'll probably go another ten. But I mm. think they do want to put longer irons in their hands going across um, going across that pond in front of the fifteenth. So I believe in 1997 when Tiger won for the first time, he hit a nine iron in there. Yeah. And Augusta, Augusta went, okay. And they Tiger-proofed the course. They put the tees right back. But mm. they're going further and further back. It's not it's not a great look for golf, to be honest, but uh, it would be better if the authorities would do something about the ball and the size of the driver head. Uh, no doubt. To be perfectly honest. but No doubt. No uh, doubt. Yeah. It's just such a simple thing to do to just get it done. I think so. You can't. I mean, a lot of clubs don't have this option of just pushing their tees back. Mm. No, no, they don't. So, so it's all very well for for Augusta. They, it's seventy five hundred yards now, Augusta. Uh, I read this stat yesterday. In two thousand and one, it was six thousand nine hundred and twenty five. So, yeah, they've added you know nearly six hundred yards in in twenty years. So, so that's that's if you that's if a you full got hole. You, your local golf course is around that. Just think about putting every tee from the very back tee back 50-odd metres, 40-odd uh, metres, and that's kind of yeah. where you we're at, Yeah, how long the yeah. golf course plays. Now, the Saudi Arabia Super League stuff is just oh. – uh, it's going to be around all year. Um, right at this moment, uh, Greg Norman's Saudi Super League is not looking that, that great because a lot of players are – you know, big-name players are declining. That Dustin Johnson – Said no this week. Bryson DeChambeau, who everyone thought would would jump, uh, has said no as well. And uh, some really interesting commentary from Phil Mickelson that's got himself got him into some trouble with some he of the other players. Flat, did he? It's for an upcoming book where he basically said, "Ah, uh, you know," he basically said what I think a lot of people felt that the players were doing, which is they're going to use it as a way to to wedge a better deal out of the US tour. But they just they look incredibly greedy when when it comes across like that. Crazy um, selfish. It looks crazy selfish. And, and look, I think the only place for it now is it's going to be a pre-seniors tour um, sort of thing. I, I don't think they're going to get anyone of note, not enough people of note to have, you know, all the eyeballs of the world watching that tour. So I think it's almost done. According to the journalist John Huggan, who we've had on this podcast before, he was in Saudi Arabia at the tournament there last week and he said that, the rumours there were that they have signed up a few players. Number of 17 was mentioned. But mm. clearly they're not getting the main players. Um, no. Adam Scott's going to be the interesting one because Adam Scott played um, in the Middle East recently. It actually suits Adam to mm. go from his, his main home now is in Switzerland with his wife and family, and it suits him to go uh, via the Middle East at the start of the year rather than having to go to America. So He finished uh, top 10, you know, didn't he, last week? He we did. Like, he's had three tops. Yeah. yeah, and he he's talked he's talked in a very I'm not going to say positive way about it, but let's just bear in mind that Greg Norman's his mentor and hero. Mm, yeah. um, so who knows? I mean, they're looking at a, a life ban from the PGA Tour, and I'm not sure what the European Tour would would have to say about a player who jumped to the to the Super League. But you know, a life a life ban from the PGA Tour is one thing. Will that stand up in court? And also, the majors are not owned by the PGA Tour, yeah. right? So um, you could potentially still you could play the Saudi Super League and the majors. Yeah. Perhaps. So 
Uh, so, look, it's interesting times. It's just the disruptive stuff that happens in all sorts of industries and it's come to golf. Uh, it's a little bit distasteful in some ways, but um, there you go. Big week, as we said, of golf. What's going on? One more stat, uh, stat of the week, guys. The, the number is four. Michael Jellerman, I think that's the correct pronunciation, uh, in the Suncoast Classic in Corn, on the Corn Ferry Tour, he had a putt to win on the final hole, Marco. And Tim, yeah, yeah. He missed it. He four-putted. No. He four-putted. Oh, I was going to second... say four's my lucky number, but clearly not he, his. His first putt was to win. His second putt was to win. Oh. He missed that. He had a third putt for a playoff and he missed that. Oh, no. He finished, he finished tied sixth. The winner was 135000 Oh, no. That sounds like Adam Scott is the runner-up at the Open in 2012, was it, when he led by four holes, he, uh, four shots with four holes four. and then bogey yeah. the last four and lost four by Four putt, the, four putt oh. the last to, to lose uh, yeah. and drop to six. I mean, golf can be cruel and that, that goes under the category of... I've never never heard that before. I've heard plenty of people three putt to, loss, uh, to lose, but uh, the four putt to lose, I've never heard it before in my life. And now he so, feels a lot better that we've just discussed it. So, so I'll leave that with you guys. <laughs> Thanks, Blakey. All right, we'll catch you next week. Okay. And we've got Marco's Masterclass. Looking forward to this one. We'll take a deeper dive into Hannah Green's game right after this. All right, I'm looking forward to this one, Marco. Give it to me with regards to Hannah Green's game. What have you got for us? Okay, her pre-shot was just magnificent to watch uh, for the last two weeks, Vic Open and also uh, Cobham Baruga. What I loved about it is she picks her line. She does all her work behind the ball. So she has a lot of practice swings behind the ball. She practices her putting behind the ball. Then what she does is she walks in looking at her line, which way she wants that mm. ball to start. Now, there are some people who will tell you, you put the club down first, then your feet, then you look up at the target, and by the time you do that, your shoulders are off line. I think the shoulders are the most important thing to have lined up correctly before you hit a golf shot. I think that is just the number one rule. What Hannah does, which is beautiful, she has her practice swings, she walks in looking at that line, and she puts her shoulders on line first, mm. then her feet. And then she looks up without moving her shoulders. Before she knows it, she's making a slow backswing, little pause at the top, and the rest, it, it just looks so easy. So if you're having trouble uh, lining yourself up before yep. shots, before putts, try this way. Try the Hannah Green way. Practice swings behind the ball. Line up your shoulders to the line you want the ball to start on. Make it parallel and then pull the trigger. I think it was a beautiful way to play golf. Sounds like a brilliant tip, Marco. I'm going to practice that this afternoon. I'm heading down to Albert Park Golf Course with the Albert Park Ladies Club, and I'm going to walk the course with the ladies, probably sign up with them, but uh, I'm going to put that into practice. And, yeah, I'll let you know how I go. See you next week. See you next week.